You're listening to the Beltway Briefing, a podcast from Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies with perspectives from both sides of the aisle. Now for political insight and strategy, let's get started with your hosts, Howard Schweitzer and Mark Alderman. All right, back for the Beltway Briefing. And this is an exciting day, Mark. We're joined by our friend and partner, Jim Schultz. Always exciting to see Jim. Thanks Guys, for having me on. 54 days until Iowa, 62 days until New Hampshire. Let's get right into it. Fact or fiction. Mark, fact or fiction number one. Schultz spent the day on Air Force Two yesterday. True. Fact or fiction. True. 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 My sources tell me it's true. I didn't realize that was the topic here. I thought we were talking about Temple's bowl game. but No, we're if, talking about Garrett Cole and the Yankees. There you but, go. Yes, you know, true, true. True. Jim, no, can you... By the way, I have no comment on that. Can, <laughs> yeah, you do. You have lots of comments. Jim, can you confirm or deny? I, I can confirm that. I had a great day with the vice president yesterday. We traveled from Washington, D.C. to Pittsburgh, we traveled up to Rochester and visited VSW Hall. We traveled across the state, stopping in at diners, finish, finishing up at a giant rally at the Giant Center in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Very cool. All right. Fact or fiction? Jim, when all is said and done, there will be Republicans that vote for impeachment and Democrats that vote against impeachment. And I'm talking about once it goes through the House and the Senate. I don't believe there will be Republicans that vote vote to remove him, nor do I believe that there will be Republicans in the House who vote to impeach him. I think the House will remain solid in this. You have folks like Brian Fitzpatrick from right here in Pennsylvania, who's been steadfast in being against impeachment, similar to Jeff Van Drew. Look at Democrats, like a Democrat, a prominent Democrat congressman over in New Jersey, Democrat, who's going to vote against impeachment. So you don't think a Mitt Romney in the Senate trial votes to remove the president. I wouldn't be surprised if Mitt Romney did a floor speech or or condemned the president's conduct in some way is not being appropriate, but I think he will stop short of removal on this one. Mark. I hate to agree with Jim, but have to. I think he's right. It's going to be a party line vote in the house maybe there's a republican out there we're not thinking of who votes for impeachment jim's right there may be a democrat or two or three who vote against impeachment but if there's two it'll be a lot and in the senate it's not even going to be two this i is, think this i think is, you're both wrong well I, mark i mean i think it could be a couple of people in the senate but i I don't see Mitt Romney um, sticking with the Republicans on this. And I think there will be Democrats in the House who yeah. uh, vote who vote against impeachment because politically it, it means something. It means something to them and their Trump districts. There was a there was a meeting late yesterday uh, at the 11th hour with uh, Democrats from Trump districts who in the House who um, were trying to curtail impeachment. It obviously didn't work, but um, well, the I suggestion think- was that maybe censure was a more appropriate remedy than impeachment. It it didn't work. And and the real point to me politically, uh, even constitutionally, is that he, 
the president is going to be impeached. He is not going to be removed from office. And neither side is going to get enough votes from the other side to claim a bipartisan result. Unfortunately, we are where we are. And this is going to be the Democrats voting to impeach him and the Republicans voting to uh, leave him in office. And Howard, I, I think the, the, the response from Mitt Romney is he's from Utah and he's going to have a real tough time making a vote for impeachment. And he's going to have if he does or for removal. And if he does, he's going to have consequences. He has to answer to the people of his state and the people of his state support. Donald Trump as president. And and that could have real consequences for him, not in a general election, but in a primary election in his next round. Yeah, I, it, that assumes there is a next round. I don't think he's a guy who is looking to stick around, stick around forever. And, and we'll see what happens. Um, OK, factor fiction number three. Big news yesterday on USMCA, the Mexico-Canada-US trade agreement. Jim, USMCA is a win-win for for both sides, fact or fiction. I think it's a win across the board. I'm glad the Democrats finally came along on this. I think it's a win. It gives us some leverage with China, our biggest trading partners now, or Canada and Mexico, and there's a reason for that. I think it continues to put the pressure on China as we as we work through trade negotiations with them. Mark, why would Nancy Pelosi give Donald Trump a win now? Well, I, I think for a few reasons. Uh, one, I don't think that although he will call it a win, that it is uh, unequivocally a Republican victory. It is actually an example of governing, something we almost never see. But I think she did it because she was able to improve the agreement to the point where it was actually good for the country. I know we look at everything. Oh, my God, Jim, I have to listen to this every week. Mark talks about Nancy Pelosi making decisions because they're for the good of the country. Will you please wake him up? I talk about her doing her job, and her job was to take an unacceptable agreement negotiated to the point where it could be sold to both sides and do something that that is a win-win. To answer your question, fact, it is a win-win. And I'm, st- I'm standing my ground. There are actually, you were just talking about one of them. If Mitt Romney were to vote to convict and remove the president from office, Howard, that would actually not be a political decision, as Jim was pointing out. It would be him upholding his oath of office. It's possible. Or grandstanding possible. a little bit, Mark. It's, it's just possible <laughs> that there are other people trying to do the same thing yeah, but down there. I, I totally agree. But Nancy Pelosi is not one of them. Look, we could disagree all day on, on, job. on how the how the sausage was made on this thing. Mark and I could probably talk for this entire time about how this was the president and the vice president and the leadership and the Republican House and Senate pushing this thing. But but we could disagree about that on all all day long. I do think it's a good thing for this country. I'm glad the Democrats are finally coming around on trade after and and quite frankly Washington is coming around on trade after years and years and years of democrat and republican administrations just ignoring it while our country got taken by others 
Well, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a thing. And that's the point. Both sides want to look like they're doing something. Right. Trump wants to look like he's doing something. Pelosi wants to look like she's doing something. They have to both try to say that Washington isn't grinding to a halt. And and that's why they did it. It's all politics all the time. Yes, it's policy that they actually, at the end of the day, could agree on. Uh, but but it's it's just a thing, and it's something to be able to say that they did. So that's my view. Um, all right, I, as Mark points out, Jim, I love answering my own questions. <laughs> right. So I did it again. I was just listening. Go, go um, for it. Okay. Do you want uh, me and Jim to continue, or would you like to just? I just do like a to monologue? talk for a half hour. Yeah, go I'm for good it. with that. So, all right, Jim, who does Trump want to face in the general? You were there last night. He was throwing red meat out to his base at this rally in Hershey, made a lot of noise as always. But, but at the end of the day, it's a binary choice, theoretically anyway. Who who do you think he most wants to face in 2020? I, I don't know at this point who he'd, who he'd want to face. I personally think that it's an easier path with any of the more leftist candidates, and that's most of them. So, you know, I think that, and I also think you go through them one by one. Elizabeth Warren, you know, free college, all the things she's for that we're, that this country can't pay for. Bernie Sanders, the same thing. You know, yeah, and then you have Joe Biden, who's kind of floundering out there. While his numbers still remain okay, I just don't see it as one that, um, that that makes it through those early states. But I also think we have to be mindful of um, of of a uh, of a uh, Mayor Pete candidacy. I, I think he is he's st- starting to surge now, and while he's inexperienced and all of those things that everyone's saying about him, he's also catching a little fire right now. So I think he's one to keep his eye on. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg, I don't believe ever ever comes through a Democratic primary, so it doesn't really matter at the end of the day whether you want to face him or not. I think Joe Biden makes a little bit of hay in Pennsylvania, but I don't know that he has the has the fortitude to do the same thing in place, places like Michigan and Wisconsin and even Minnesota. Well, Mark. I think Trump doesn't want to face Biden if Clearly. he can avoid it. He's gone to unconstitutional and impeachable lengths to try to damage the former vice president. I think he would, of course, prefer Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders for all the reasons Jim gave. He's not going to get either of them. Neither of them is going to be the nominee. Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. But if that doesn't happen, maybe it is Mayor Pete. The This I know, Howard, is a, another question uh, on your list that you may want to just take an answer for yourself. But Jim said, if you look at the left-leaning candidates, and they are most of them, I think, were your words, Jim, that's the that's just factually false. And that is the narrative that is out there and is something that the Democrats have got to do a much better job of countering. 
because in fact, when you look at the leading candidates, there are five leading candidates here. You have Joe Biden, Mayor Pete, you have Elizabeth Bernie, and Amy Klobuchar has made it to a wow. distant to a distant fifth. Who is but that? You just cannot <laughs> look at the field. Well, somebody has to be fifth. That's just arithmetic. There's a number that comes after four. So somebody has to be five. And you look at the field, and it's just impossible to say that the left-leaning candidates are dominating the Democratic primary electorate. That just isn't true. Well, Mark, they're Biden all running has, left. That's why Mark, they're all right, left-leaning right. candidates. No, they no. have to appease AOC. We've seen the primaries no, no. in the congressional races. We see, we see what happens when you try to admit, when you try to run to the middle of the Democratic Party, you lose your primary. That's Mark, why they're all no, running left. No, no, there's no, no question that the that the progressive narrative is dominating the Democratic agenda. They may not be dominating the that may not not be dominating the polling, but it's dominating the agenda. That's correct. It's just why? not dom because they are louder and and better at making noise. And you're going to see that the, the Democratic Party, I'm going back to your actual question. The Democratic Party is not going to serve up Elizabeth or Bernie to to Trump for the reelect. You're going to get a more moderate candidate. I still think uh, you're going to get Joe Biden. And where how is Joe Biden running to the left, Jim? Show me. I must have missed that. He's just. Joe Biden, he is standing right where he is. He hasn't even moved on an issue like cannabis, where, as you know, we are very actively involved trying to move that needle. But he is not running to the left. Pete is not running to the left. Amy, whom you both dismissed, and I get it, she's pretty far behind, but, but never say never. She's the type of candidate on a policy and electoral basis who should come from nowhere and, and catch fire, but personality wise and just polling. Well, I mean, it doesn't seem like that's happening. Mark, what do you take of Biden lashing out last week? Um, how many times do you think he can do that and get away with it? So before I had seen it, Jim, on our last podcast, Howard broke the news to our audience of Biden lashing out and complimented him, said it was exactly the kind of candidate that Biden needs to be. I have since seen it personally because I know him and like him. Uh, I, I thought it was a good moment for Joe. He can't keep doing that, though. To answer your question, right. he can't keep doing that. I think you get that. away with it once, and then you just look he, angry going out. It's a mulligan. He got a mulligan. Right. He can't keep doing that. There is such an easy answer to the question. Instead of, you're a damn liar, man, you know, he, he, he needs to memorize a much better answer than that, yeah. which is that I didn't put him there. He's an adult hunter, that is. And he made a bad decision. He shouldn't have done it. But just on that, because you're right, but Mark. But Howard I loved it. I liked it. I thought it was a good moment, but he's gotten crushed in the media. And it just, 
it's the media has taken that and created a narrative that it was a bad moment. And so now everybody out there believes it's a bad moment. Wrong. Everybody out there whose opinion is shaped by the media believes it was a That's bad a moment. lot of people, Mark. It, That's a lot of Democrats. It, it isn't. Right. It's the reason that Trump has 40% plus or minus. It's the reason that Biden's numbers have not gone down. Now they're starting to go a little up. It's the reason that Pete is out there on his own path. It The media is not going to pick the Democratic nominee any more than the media picked the president in 2016. I, I've oh, my God, I, Mark. The media absolutely picked the president in 2016. The media made Donald Trump. Donald Trump manipulated the media into becoming president of the United States. The media didn't I, pick him. The media The media coverage. absolutely picked him and they pick well, him every time you turn on the so, television. And Mark, we have a television star with us on this podcast. Maybe he can those, chime in. There are those who would tell you that there were other factors. The media was a factor in the rise of Donald Trump. It was complicit in the every rise time of Donald he, Trump. Every time he wakes up and hits that Twitter feed, the media reacts to him. And that's been happening since day one in his campaign. And it continues today that he controls the news cycle by his Twitter feed and gets them talking about what he wants them to talk about and can also change the narrative very quickly as well. Right. The media is complicit in the the rise of Donald Trump. It's now trying to be complicit in the fall of Donald Trump. That, is, that isn't working so well. My only point is that there were other factors. You did, you did have Jim Comey. You did have Hillary Clinton. You did have Vladimir Putin. You had a lot of other. Apparently, Jim, you had Ukraine. I'm still looking for what they did in 2016. But you had a lot of factors beyond the media picking Donald Trump. And the media narrative, Howard, about Biden and the, the socialist agenda and the rest, we're going to have to live with all of that for another how many days? 53, something 54 like that. 54 to Iowa. Yeah. And, and then actually Democrats get to start voting. And we'll see. Listen. We'll see. Did either of you watch or listen to the Hillary Clinton Howard Stern interview? Two hour Hillary Clinton Howard Stern interview. If you if you didn't, you should. Because okay. Well you should. You should, Jim. Both of you should. It was absolutely it's absolutely fascinating. It is mostly authentic. Um you know, he goes through and asks her what she thinks about different candidates. And there's a little bit of, of lying in there, but it's, it's, it's mostly authentic. If she had done that interview four years ago, she would be the president of the United States. Now, the point is candidates make choices and she made a choice to run a very um, controlled and limited campaign and didn't put herself out there and and she lost and i'm telling you i've i've heard it from lots of people watch this interview because it is 
she she'd win. She tells her story. She tells the story about her family and her parents. It's it's very compelling. Um, Is it too late for her, Mark? Too late for her? Oh, it's about eight years too late for her. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What I think is most interesting about Howard's uh, report there, and and I I am going to watch it. I I am interested in, in seeing that because it's that's not the Hillary Clinton I have known and never especially loved for a long time. But what's really interesting is that the big Hillary Clinton interview and many of the big Donald Trump interviews that uh, we saw in the last cycle are all Howard Stern interviews. Howard Stern uh, turns out to be central to the American political process, which is a fact I missed, Howard. I admit I missed that. Well, he actually gets people to talk. Yeah. And we're, we live in an environment and look, I think it's why Trump is so dominant, Jim, to your point on him controlling the agenda through his Twitter feed, speaking directly to people, expressing where he is, whether you like it or not. That's, that's what makes a winning candidate. And I think it's, I think it's damn interesting. So speaking of, speaking of, of Hillary and Biden, Trump, Bernie, Bloomberg, why is politics being so dominated by 70-somethings? There's, there's Klobuchar yeah. is maybe the one person who's been mentioned who's not in her 70s. Buttigieg, I guess. You know who they he, don't talk? Here's the crazy thing, Howard, and I, I'll let Mark actually answer your question. I, I, the, the thing that... Uh, that you see the most is, you know who they're not talking about one of those guys age and that is Donald Trump. And I think that's interesting. Nobody looks at him and talks about his age. And I think that's largely because of what we were able to see during that campaign where he's hopping from state to state to state on that airplane and doing the same thing. Now this early in the race, going from state to state to state, you know, with energy like we've never seen out of a guy that's in his 70s. But so Jim, th- they also think that he has dementia. I mean, <laughs> well, a lot yeah, of people you know, you're going to get he- you're going to get people that are going to say that for their own purposes. But at the end of the day, you don't no, stand there are people up- that actually believe well, that. Uh, well, then they obviously aren't watching these rallies where he stands up and gathers a crowd of you know, 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 in an arena like we've never seen before. Sharp as attack, delivering a message that he wants to deliver. It's not it's not like he's delivering a message that someone's telling him to deliver. This is a message that he wants to deliver. And so bring so- us so bring us inside the tent. What was it like last night? You were in the the hall. How many people were there? What was you know, you had the the backstage pass, figuratively speaking, what was it? What was it like? What 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 went on? It was like a rock concert without the guitar. I think the president actually said that last night. But it it was on something like I've never seen. I mean, you're in the Giant Center, 
And I don't know what the capacity of that is. Maybe 15,000. I, I don't want someone to come back and say, well, you're overstating it. But I was about Jim, to do that. Jim, this, this, <laughs> isn't, this isn't CNN. No, I get no, it. No, but, no, but, you I know, I, but Mark would be quick to jump all over me. The Center does not if, see 30,000 people. If, it was, if I there. said 15,000, Mark would say it says it seats 14,500. You're I'm lying. I'm looking it up. So, 10,500. Yeah, but that's that's that doesn't include the four, include the four floor seats. So okay. I I think what you, and what you saw was a packed house. There was not an empty seat. And as I'm pulling up in the motorcade, you see jumbotrons outside, a Chick Fil A truck outside, because people had been sitting there all day trying to get into this thing. And then the folks that couldn't get in were watching on the jumbotrons outside in the rain. And and this. It was just an unbelievable thing to see in central Pennsylvania. So then we go into the arena. The moment Vice President Pence hit the stage, the place erupted. And I didn't think it could get any louder until Donald Trump hit the stage. And it was and the place just went crazy. And I've 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 been to a lot. I've, I've been on political campaigns, presidential political campaigns. I've run events across this state for President Bush during his 2004 reelect. I can tell you, I've never seen anything like it. Mark, care to comment? Well, yes, not. <laughs> it's a cult, sure. And it is, I am sure, exactly what Jim describes. It's not likely the way the founders thought we were going to pick a president, but it is, here we are. It, it is the reality of the 2020 campaign is that you have a cult leader who can rally his his troops like gonna, that, and you're not going to see that on our side. It is only uh, Elizabeth Warren. The only time I've seen it on your side, Mark, was in 2004 uh, during that election campaign when Bill Clinton showed up on the Parkway here in Philadelphia. And the place was just a mob scene. And but since that time, I have not been to a political rally in this state. And I've been to a lot of them that has that kind of enthusiasm. And I'll disagree with you, Mark. I don't think the founding fathers had it, had the intention of, you know, television commercials and money driving the political agenda in terms of uh, of, of TV dollars because they weren't thinking about it back then. But certainly having folks come together in convening in, in well, one place to hear a candidate speak, that's grassroots at its best. We're going to lose our audience if we turn this into a Federalist Papers podcast. But mob rule is exactly what the founding this fathers. This isn't mob rule at all. Uh, you just described a mob. There's not a mob. They're going into a stadium like they want to because they want to see someone and have someone speak to them directly, the, the president of the United States. And they did the same and, thing while he was a candidate. And I don't well, consider that mob rule. So can you share with us because I missed it? I mean, was it supposed coverage? to be controlled? Was it? What, are we supposed to was, do it in mainline houses? What was the political discourse with Jim? the elites? What was the yes? As a matter of fact, that is what the founding fathers intended. <laughs> well, that's what that, that, we understand. The democratic the elites. That's what they irony, want to do. I get it. Tremendous irony in this entire conversation, and then I'll get out of the political science nerd part is that Donald Trump is president of the United States, not because of the popular vote, but because of the electoral college. 
and the founding fathers invented the Electoral College to prevent someone like Donald Trump becoming president by having an intermediary between the people and the president. Is it really an intermediary or given people from states that don't necessarily have a voice, a voice in this country? Well, again, Howard, schedule the two of us for a Federalist Papers debate. It'll be Jim's a member of the Federalist Society. He has an advantage on me there. But I, I don't think Elizabeth Warren, I don't think Barack Obama, and I was fortunate enough to see some tremendous crowds and some ultra enthusiastic rallies, and they weren't like this because they weren't about a cult. They weren't about the demagoguery. Where was the political discourse in, in Hershey last night? Oh, last night they're talking about more money to mil- more military funding, more jobs for African Americans and Hispanics than we've ever seen in this country. The passage of well, the USMCA. I'm sure the African American community and Hispanic community were heavily represented in the crowd. How did how did they react to that promise from the president? I, I got to tell. What do you mean a promise, Mark? That's a result. Did you see, Jim, Jim, we all know who was in the hall. Okay. Absolute, is- absolutely representatives from from the African-American community and the Latino community in this in this state. No question about it. Well, I, I wasn't there, so I'm going to. It wasn't a majority, but they were there. And I got to <laughs> and I got to tell you, I mean, look, it is. You I know, just saw you central hold up Pennsylvania. Two fingers. Was that so, just a hand gesture? Or was no, that no, no, no. It wasn't. It wasn't many. Was that the hard but, but, I, but I'll tell you, it was it was law. representative and. You know, I think at some point in time, you got to look at the results, the job results that, that we've seen in this country in terms of the employment numbers for minorities in this country is just tremendous. And that's what the president and the vice president were talking about last night. Last Howard, night, they're talking about the USMCA. They're talking about China. They're talking about trade. So you want to if that's demagoguery, then then, you know, I, I'll, I'll take four more years of that. All right. Jim Schultz gets the last word to be continued. (laughs) Guys, this was fun. Thank you so much. And we will be back next week. Look, Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Beltway Briefing. If you liked our show, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And while you're at it, drop us a rating. To learn more about the Beltway Briefing or Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies, please visit our website at copublicstrategies.com.